ad for Kamala and how cool she looks when she comes out of a plane. <laughs> That's literally their whole marketing strategy. Yeah. Look at this young woman walking out of a plane, a private plane. I'm surprised that they didn't make her more like attacking during the debate. I thought for sure she was going to level Pence. You know what, though? There would be a part of me that like their optics person is like, people hate women and they hate women when they're angry. True. She probably didn't want to get angry black woman syndrome either. And she didn't even get her, give her a chance because like, even despite that clearly like optic strategy, they still, people like were still responding to it with like, oh, I thought she was quite rude and she raised her voice. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. I would rather we all vote for the corpse. (laughs) The picture of Giuliani's hands is absolutely bone chilling. (laughs) He is dead, right? He's it, dead. It's so nauseating. It's like, how did no one say, girl, can we put some cover up on those bones? Nothing. I just feel like he is like a a perfect representation of October 2020. He's so spooky. <laughs> he is truly the spookiest man. He's, he's spook- the spookiest of them all. Do you know who's also spooky? No. The new creepy guy on Alias. And you know what else, Maureen? Mm-hmm. This is Room 47, an alias. <laughs> yes, it is. Room 47, <laughs> baby. Oh, my God. Did you like this week's episode? I loved this week's episode. It was another great ride. Um, I'm so excited to be talking to you because right before uh, we got on the podcast, I realized that I actually have only said four words today before we started to myself out loud in my bathroom while I was looking at Twitter on the toilet. Mm-hmm. Julie Bowen? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that could mean so many things. Julie Bowen? That's crazy. That could mean she's in a new movie with Adam Sandler. That could mean she dated Tucker Carlson. Which she did. What could it be? Um, Allegedly. Allegedly, yes, she allegedly dated Tucker Carlson and allegedly ended her marriage for for him. Allegedly, Um, yeah, no, uh, she's. I think she was in like a Funny or Die sketch that was on my Twitter today, and I was like, Julie Bowen, you guys are getting Julie Mm -hmm. Bowen to do Funny or Die sketches. She, she's for sure. Like, she's going to be Catherine McFeed. They're going to find out been a republican donator in some way i feel like if i never saw her again it would be too soon does that make sense like that's the vibe i have of julie bowen yeah she's annoying i don't like her yeah how are you what's going on in your life i don't even think about her now all of a sudden like i will i will kick her ass (laughs) (laughs) i'll fight her i don't care gina gina where are you going sit down sit down (laughs) sit down you know maureen it's going yeah um yeah what have you been up to? Anything good? I've been working. I've been trying to write or at least trying to think creatively uh, to no avail. Mm. Uh, when I get my period, I'm just useless. Yeah, I'm useless all the time. So I get that. Tip to taint. Tip to taint. <laughs> <laughs> there was an assassination to kick off this week's episode, and, if you can even believe it. And an assassination of my I don't know. Never mind. I was going to say I didn't interrupt you, but then I did. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did. The assassination of Quan Lee, the head of 8th FTL, outside of this like biochemical building in Hong Kong, 
um, is done by this new creepy villain, Julian Sark. And Sloan confirms this to everyone that FTL was attacked by Sark and his commandos around the same time SD6 was. And also they were there for a Rambaldi artifact. Um, but instead of fighting off the attack like SD6 did, F- now FTL no longer exists. Um, and Marshall brings up a good point and is like, but FTL was our enemy. Like, why is this, why is this a bad thing? And then Jack is like, fucking Marshall. <laughs> like, really lays into him. He's like, Marshall, stop using your brain and thinking. <laughs> He's like, someone is capable enough to unilaterally attack the two organizations at once. And this is like a huge problem. Um, and then they also have like a shit ton of artifacts. So like there's more evil people involved. And now there's like a step closer to figuring out Rimbaldi's endgame. So basically Marshall's like, right, sorry, this sucks. Yeah. Also, it's in this scene that Sloane is um, talking about uh, how Sydney and Dixon are about to go undercover. And I wrote in my notes, ironically, Dixon is going to be a hot gambler in this episode. A hot and, and lol, did she know? And lol, and lol did she know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rambaldi causes so much drama. <laughs> see yeah so like what maureen said so sydney and dixon so sydney's gonna be on comms for this one and dixon is on point like maureen said and he's going in as undercover as this jamaican diplomat named buchanan um to play in this secret poker game because he has to plant a bug on this guy named dahlgren who's like this go-between guy for um k directorate and like other menacing people um because the k directorate they found out is meeting with sark and this mysterious group um later that week to discuss the selling of rambaldi artifacts so marshall makes this ring that looks exactly like dahlgren's and then like dixon has to swap them um and then there's a little i don't know can we call this sweet we'll run through it we'll see i said sentimental which i think word sentimental is a good word thank you my friend is a writer (laughs) (laughs) so she teaches me words (laughs) sorry so anyway why are you saying sorry? So post-meeting, uh, Sloan pulls Sydney aside. Um, again, I have to ask, like, do you think it was the choice to have their faces when they're acting so fucking close together? Because, like, I've worked with a camera before, and I know you don't need to stand that close. I know you I, I feel like it's part of the... Um the spy thing is they're trying to catch like really, really subtle acting choices, but the guy who's playing Sloan isn't doing any of that. So it's just sort of sitting on his face. Like, yeah, it's like, it's as (laughs) he's like right at the camera. I don't like it. Okay. Sit back. I don't like it. And he, yeah, Sloan is really sentimental now that he has no finger. Well, he has a finger. It just isn't really working. Come to find out. So Sloan tells a pretty shocked Sydney that he knows that, about that she knows about Laura and the KGB and that he's sorry for her. Um, and then he thanks her again for saving everyone's life. And as they leave the office, we discover that she was kept back so everyone can do their very best impression of an essential workers clap at 7 p.m. So weird. Why did they do this, this weird group clapping? It, it looked like, honestly, I was like, oh, Sloan arranged a flash mob for Cindy's, <laughs> Cindy, <laughs> for Sydney's birthday. <laughs> Cindy (laughs) Cindy Um, yeah it was so weird it was so weird that he arranged this big weird group clap thing also like imagine you work at the CIA and or you think you work at the CIA as we know it's not really the CIA but you think you work at the CIA 
terrorist attack, right? Like someone attacks your work. Hostage situation, right? Hostage situation. And then the next day your boss is like, hey, in response to the horrible hostage situation, what we're all going to do is surprise our favorite employee with clapping. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) And Sydney agreed with us because she tells Vaughn on the bus that it made her feel sick because yeah. like she's has to lie to everyone etc cetera, etc cetera. she calls them patriots which you know how much we love that turn of phrase <laughs> and she says that she wanted to rip Sloane's finger right off <laughs> I just wanted to rip his finger off again yeah and laughs and it's suck yet suck yet they're flirting which we love which we do love and then he gives her the counter mission and then they like shit talk Haladki again and all that crap from last week. Um, and then they flirt again over her little bruise on her cheek because she's got enough cover up at home because she's had to use cover up before. Tweet. <laughs> oh, I just blew the mic out. I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> it's, on, Mike. it's hard not to do a tweet too when it's right there in front of you. Um, so Jack and Sydney then are talking about grad school and how learning about Laura, what happened. Which, like, can we talk about this? Why is it that every time that Jack and Sydney have a normal conversation that isn't about, like, terrorism or SD6, it's so clunky? How's uh, uh, that going? Uh, school? Uh, school is, um, uh, it's good. I, uh, school, yeah, school. It's like, have you guys ever spoken to a person? They're really laying, like, I get what they're doing because it's like they're laying in on thick by how, like, distant they are from each other. But sometimes I'm like, all right, we can put in a little bit more effort. Yeah. But I (laughs) have to say, I was watching the scene and I was like, oh, my God. I totally see me and my dad and Jack and Sydney. Like, it was chilling. Do you? It was really, really, really uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't like this. Let's move on. Anyway, yeah, so basically Sydney goes to her dad for advice, as she should, and he um, does not know what the fuck to say and is basically like, um, uh, don't ask me, sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> she just leaves. And he gives her, like, one of his stares, like his I wish I'd said more thing, and then it's like, just say something, she's your daughter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just have a conversation with another human person. Exactly. So Sydney is on her way to Vegas, um, like running out of the house when Will shows up to pick up some tape recorders because Maureen, don't you remember when I would call you and be like, girl, do you have any more tape recorders? And they'd be like, babe, come over. I've got two or three with your name on them. One time I did actually call you for a mousetrap. Did I have one? Um, no, you did. Sounds right. Yeah. yeah. It was in Fairmount. I just live among the mice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is their house now. That's fine. I, you got to respect it. They unionized. Yeah, Will shows up with a hickey. Disgusting. Dang. <laughs> I blew out the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Sydney's like busting his chops about the hickey and like it's a callback to the makeup, which very quick callback, <laughs> um, but pretty unnecessary. Anyway, yada, 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 Jenny's. T- Wait, I, can I ask you a question about this scene? Do you feel like that what J.J. Abrams is trying to do with these two characters is like, have you ever noticed how fast Sydney and Will talk to each other? Mm-hmm. I feel like what he's trying to do is like establish like a flirty banter. That just, it, it never arrives, no, you know? Because like, I think you've said this in previous episodes where like a lot of the times Sydney and Will are like, 
I'm sorry, Will and Vaughn are like two different Sydneys. And mm-hmm. unconsciously, she's even trying to weigh out her options as they're happening. And like, but Vaughn's, Vaughn's really hot and Will's not. So what do we, yeah. come on. <laughs> <laughs> and he probably has better health care. I can't wait to talk about Will more in this episode. I really can't. I'm so excited. That's a Will. Yeah. So then Francie and Charlie come back to lunch after brunch. That's not a horrible sentence. <laughs> no, I liked it. <laughs> there I am doing my Lin, Lin-Manuel again. <laughs> I can't believe you went Lin-Manuel. I was going to be like, Gene actually has a children's book coming out this fall. <laughs> yeah, but like Dr. Seuss, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Two sides of the same coin. He was our first Puerto Rican president. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so Francie and Charlie come back from brunch with the parents and Sydney is like I'm going to Vegas gotta go and suddenly they want to go with her so Sydney has to like scramble to put them off and then before Will and Sydney leaves Charlie's like hey I'm having this gig can you put out flyers and that's what that is <laughs> it's also interesting to me because I was like I think this is the first time that Sydney has ever been honest about where she was going yeah which is usually lies which is weird right it is weird that this is the only time that she's like i'm actually going to vegas (laughs) do you think it was intentional because like the episode is supposed to set her up as she's sort of careless and like why she's flip-flopping with what she wants to do with her life and like maybe she's like not on the right mindset like she's distracted that could very well be. She could definitely be distracted. That that could be what they're trying to do. But yeah, because as the viewer, I'm watching this scene. Sorry, I'm laughing because the way Maureen leaned into the mic and she goes, that very well may be. <laughs> I was really thinking. I was really. Your brain was on fire. <laughs> Julie Bowen? That's crazy. Um, that's me today. Um, Are you out of thought? What can I... What can I say? I'm an academic for this show. Um, <laughs> yeah, wait, what the fuck were we talking about? We got to move on. Anyway, mm-hmm. we are incredibly smart. And the way that we talk about this show is scholarly. More scholars, babe. More scholars. Um, Will meets with McNeil at the prison. Um, and he sent his daughter safely away. And now he wants to work with Will. Um, so he tells Will that uh, he tells Will what he knows. And then we see it happen. So. Will goes to this place called OT Technologies and asks to interview the CEO as a way to access the building. Um, McNeil used to work there and knew people wanted to use his encryption technology for something bad uh, before he went to prison. So he like tagged the software with basically like a digital guest book where people that use this software, like they're unknowingly signing into it. And it's a server in the building and the passcode to said server room is... Guess what, Maureen? Guess what it is? The passcode is 4747. 47 watch. 2K20. <laughs> this is the second time that we've seen 47 on the show, and I missed it again. And <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I was like, she's going to get this one. It happens twice. <laughs> nope. I missed it again. I was like, yep, the code continue. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so he puts the magic numbers in, 4747, gets in the room, gets in the computer, and now he has this roadmap that will lead him to SD6. I blame this scene's, like, weird angles is the reason I didn't get that, because I know that what they're trying to do is be like, oh, Will is doing spy shit. It's so intense. But I was like, this is making me nauseous. (laughs) They were like, this? Very, like, early 2000s, like, 
cocaine action movie scene. Oh my God, that is exactly what it is. And it results in Will, who has never once worked with a computer. I know. Successfully downloading Dolphin. And it was like old computers, like the kind that are black with like the green numbers. Like (laughs) I wouldn't, like I don't even, I won't HTML. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, possible title of that. I don't even HTML. I'm, I don't know. Okay, so moving on with the podcast. So, Wait, are we making a podcast mm-hmm. right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's so, interesting for sure. So Cindy <laughs> professor to drop out of grad school, in case anyone forgot she's in grad school. Grad school. And the professor has basically one thing of advice, and he's like, Sydney, you're one of the best students I've ever had. And then he books it. And then we see that she got an A on her paper about F. Scott, Fitz, F. Scott Fitzgerald, a tragic hero. I mean, come on, symbolism. Come on, meta. What? Yeah, they, they were like the tragic hero. Similar to me as the man, the vault, the box. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're not going to layer this in too many things. No. Nope. Tragic hero. Done. <laughs> You're 100. No notes. No notes. <laughs> On the, on the way off campus, Sydney is putting up Charlie's um, gig girl. Woman named Stella walks up girl, on Charlie and the name that she knows him because he basically ghosted her in the same time frame that he's been with Francie. And Sydney loses her mind. And they dated for apparently a few months. And he's like, a few months? Mm-hmm. She's ready for blood in that episode. Not this woman. Charlie's. Stella seems great. She she literally threw out that poster though. She ripped that poster off the the whatever it was and threw it on the ground. Fuck you, Charlie. You know it's a very early aughts thing that that women don't say anymore. Men are pigs. <laughs> People don't say that anymore. We People do not say that. Pigs. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't really say men are pigs anymore. No, people don't say men are pigs. They're like men are trash. Yeah. But you know why? Because pigs are actually really smart. They are. They're very smart. It's a disservice to pigs. Yeah, they're smart. They're delicious and kind. Men are none of those things. Really good with pancakes. Good with pancakes. Good with kids. (laughs) (laughs) That's my Tinder. (laughs) Good with pancakes. Good with kids. (laughs) So Sydney is now in Vegas with now, not wig of the week, but... I feel contender for wig of the week. Mm-hmm. Just feels weird to comment on because it feels like they were just like, they Googled Jamaica and like, sorry, I lost my place. Here we go. Okay. That's what this guy looks like. I, when I saw Dixon in this horrible wig, it looks very, I, fake. it looks incredibly fake. Um, They're good. But I, I loved it. I loved it, especially it because this actor struggles so much <laughs> with the Jamaican accent. So it makes the locks look even weirder and more out of place. He, it made him look older than he was. And yeah. you saw the picture of the actual Buchanan later in the episode. And he's like, he looks 20 years younger, even though he probably isn't. Also, they look nothing alike. I loved when they showed that picture because I was like, oh, cool. So you guys are just like 
going to lean into the racism of it, that's fine. Yeah. They're like, no one's going to stop him. (laughs) It was very odd. And then besides this was Sydney in the tiniest glasses imaginable, again, giving me first crush teacher vibes. And you know how much Mm -hmm. meeting me. Yes. (laughs) So she's on the phone with Will about Francie and what to do. Um, so Dixon grabs the ring and heads off. And then Sydney reveals her cover for the evening. This is a perfect alias moment because when Jennifer Gardner walks through the casino double doors, in a full sequined crop top with matching skirt and headpiece and says, I'm in. Are you fucking kidding me? It's a, it's an amazing moment of television. It's the reason I love this show. Mm-hmm, totally. It, 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 that moment epitomized Alias, especially when he just, she looks up and there's Francie and Charlie literally walking toward her literally walking directly towards which which again i was like oh my god it's insane that you're actually in vegas in that moment i was like wait why would you tell them where you're actually going and that's the thing is like i wonder if in that moment she was just like fuck fuck i fuck yeah so dixon's wig is right there coming in at number two but number one is this gorgeous headpiece and you know let me give you a little rundown of this headpiece because she is an honorary wig mm-hmm Her name is Dorothy, and she's actually the heir to a fur fortune, but that didn't stop her from making a name for herself as a reliable backup jazz singer. She has two kids, and her husband bags groceries at a local liquor store. What's the name of the liquor store? Frank's Liquors. (laughs) Frank's (laughs) Liquors. Frank's Liquors. It's a small town. Where your mom's like, I'm going to the liquor store, go to the Blockbuster, I'll meet you in 15 minutes. Yeah, my mom just brought us into Ed's Liquors because then she was like, he'll always know how old you are. <laughs> so if you try to buy booze here, he'll know. It was very ominous. Yeah. Well, I Also, actually, Ed's Liquors is, I'll tell this story on pod because I can now. Ed's Liquors is the place where an undercover cop uh, saw me buy liquor for my then underage sister. And he stopped me in the parking lot. <laughs> happened? I didn't know that. He, yeah, so I went to buy my sister booze, um, and he like he must have just watched me from the moment I got out of the car to the moment I got back to the car because as I was walking back to the car, he was like, "What do you got there?" And I was like, "Excuse me," and he was like, "Well, I'm just you know, just here stopping by, just making sure that you know you're not purchasing liquor for that young woman in your car." And I got it's easily like now looking back to say that I was really um, slick, but I know that me being defensive just proved that I was guilty. Because I was like, actually, (laughs) actually, sir, that's my younger sister. (laughs) And she is only 17. So why on earth, let me ask you, would I buy her alcohol, which is poison, by the way, for people's brains? Excuse me, officer? The fact that you even brought that up makes you seem guiltier. Yeah. So how do I, by admission, (laughs) on American soil, by admission, you are guilty. How do I know you didn't buy flavored vodka for my 17-year-old sister? Hmm? 
Do you have a bottle of green apple smeared off in your bag? Did you forget the mixer? Yeah. Bag of ice? Well, it's melting. <laughs> and he truly was just like, okay, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just checking in to make sure. And I was like, yeah, so have a good night, actually. That is so amazing. How and like, you, like literally 21, <laughs> your face. <laughs> no, if Emily was 17. I was 18, 19, 21, 22, uh, 23 ish, 24. 23 year olds think they're invincible. It's insane, right? Anyway, yeah, so that was Wig of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> it sure was. So as he's successfully sneaking past Francie and Charlie in the casino, um, Marshall, we're then seeing Marshall explain to her like this cool razor prism that helps splice the wires so finely that the cameras won't jump and disconnect. And the reason why this is important is because, as Marshall says, like compared to a Serbian prison, this is like, like no one does security like Vegas. So mm-hmm. then he has to splice into the wires with this razor thing um, so that now she's in the system, she can replace Dixon's picture with the actual Buchanan in like the casino's literal facial recognition software. It's wild. Yeah, which begs the question that like, why did they even need to make him wear those horrible fake dreadlocks if she was just going to put a picture of Dixon in there? But I like that they did it. Also, Razor Prism sounds like a phone from Verizon in 2002. Yeah, it absolutely does. I would not Mm -hmm. be surprised if that was like the first go around with names. Yeah. While while this was all happening, Francie spots a wedding chapel. (laughs) which can only mean very bad things. So Dixon heads into the private gaming suite as Sydney is keeping watch and telling him what the hands are at the poker table. So he sits down for poker across from that guy Dahlgren, um, basically to manipulate the game so Dahlgren loses his ring but gets his ring back eventually. Um, but in the middle of this, Sydney spots Francie and Charlie at that chapel. So she's like, I have to go radio silent for two minutes and deal with mm-hmm. I want to watch a sideshow where Sydney and Dixon just like pull off heists and hijinks and rob rich people and rob casinos. That would be very fun. I would love that. But Dixon can't use this weird fake Jamaican accent. Also, Dixon, aren't you supposed to be in the CIA? You should be better at accent work. Come on, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. And I'll be. Yeah. We can't all be stars like you, Gina. You're right. You're right. And actually, <laughs> officer, <laughs> stars, they're not just like us. I wish that that was not how I still talk to cops, but it absolutely is. Absolutely. And actually, I don't think you're being helpful. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. So anyway. he runs and pulls Charlie aside and tells him like that she fucking knows what's going on. And she literally turned her spy all the way fuck on and gets right in Charlie's face. Um, yeah. And is basically like, um, you have to tell Francie the truth or I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> also, if this were you in this scene, you would have already thrown him over the banister. Yeah. While I was watching that, I was like, oh, this is real Gina energy right now. He would already be dead. Uh, he, I would have made him cry. I have a line to say to you. Really nice person and I am single. Yeah, just like FYI. And just like a a loyal friend. And actually, just a loyal friend. (laughs) Charlie then pulls Francie aside, and we think he's about to tell the truth, but then he's just like, no, I don't want us to get married without everyone. And he did not listen to Sydney real quick. Like, just, oh, okay, so Charlie's a fucking, he's a real scumbag. Because he's just lying on top of lying. So 
then Dixon may have been made by security. So that's another update. Meanwhile, all this is happening on top of each other. It's pretty cool. So Dixon manages to finally like finagle Dahlgren into like betting the ring so he can make the switch with the fake ring. And Sydney gets back in time for the final poker hand, but Dixon is going to lose. So he acts like he's going to win. So his like hands are covering the winnings pile so he can swap out the ring. Because mm-hmm. he put a tracker in the ring or no. Yeah, I, I'm so, a transmitter. Yes, you're right. I never, the whole episode has gone by. I have not even mentioned what the ring is. <laughs> ring is yeah, the transmitter. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they're going to, they're tracking this guy because he's affiliated with uh, K Directorate, right? Yeah. So they're good. They need to track where this meeting between the man's people, we think, and K Directorate is going on. So mm-hmm. it's working and the rings get switched out correctly. So now are you impressed that I knew the plot of the show that we just watched? I was, I was hanging by a thread. I got you by a thread. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately security shows up anyway and pulls him out. But of course when Sydney's right around the corner, there's nothing to worry about and they fuck shit up and they escape. Mm -hmm. So then Francie and Sydney are catching up over some tea. Um, And it's clear as Francie's like talking about Vegas with Sydney that Clarly hasn't Clarly that Charlie hasn't said shit. So Sydney just Clarly and why did she hurt you, Gina? (laughs) (laughs) So Sydney tells Francie about the cheating, and Francie is immediately defensive of Charlie. Okay, the internal internalized misogyny, overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Can you believe it? And then Francie calls. Um. So so basically, what happens is Francie is so freaked out by Charlie that she starts like just talking shit on Sydney mm-hmm. <laughs> calls her an elitist, which we love our socialist queen and mm-hmm. like blaming Sydney for everything. And like, basically is like you suck and you're just jealous and I hate your stupid fucking job. <laughs> yeah. That brings us actually Gina to our line of the week, um, which is not what this segment no. is called. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> Mark, Mark the date. Maureen fucked up for the first time. (laughs) And now, one line from Alias. So as the girls are fighting, at one point, Francie, Sydney's best friend and roommate, yells, I'm so sick of your stupid bank job! (laughs) 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 Which is hilarious because it's such a funny concept to me that like... They still think she works at a fucking bank. Like, y'all, banks are stationary buildings. She goes, she travels way too much for a bank. All around the dang world. Cuckoo bananas. I love that scene. They got in like a real, real bad fight. I know. And like, so Sydney goes, Sydney goes to Will's office to talk about it. And like, Sydney's like, well, it was very revealing. And that friendship's probably over. And then Will mm-hmm. is, yeah, but news like that is hard to take. Like, don't be so hard on her. But like, I don't necessarily agree with Will. I don't, I don't know. I, for the first time and only time, agree with Will. I think sometimes people lash out when you give them bad news. I think that's fair. fair but I also am like, Francie, are you fucking 17? Like, it's not Sydney's fault that your yeah. fiance is a scammer cheater. That's more what I mean is like, it seemed like a very juvenile reaction. Yeah. But, but you know, she I, just had to work you know, through her own right, little feelings right, and her right, own time. Right. You're right. And actually, that's what feminism is about. Yeah, yeah. Listen, we all have our own internalized issues that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Not me. I'm perfect. (laughs) (laughs) 
can you imagine? Um, anyway, so Jack calls Sydney to talk about the mission success and then tells her to meet her at this carousel. So Jack and Laura used to bring Sydney here when she was two. She obviously doesn't remember. Um, and that was around the time that Jack and Laura moved to L.A. And they would watch her on the carousel as they unpacked their day with each other. And then sometimes Jack would be a little bit of a messy bitch and talk to mm-hmm. Laura. So basically, like, he brought her there because he tells her that even though Laura influenced her decision to become a teacher, it was Sydney's gut and drive that made her want to be a teacher. And that Jack puts his trust in Sydney's ability to basically trust her gut and make the right decisions, which was really cool. And then he says, blah, 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 you could become the kind of teacher that your students will always remember. And it really hits with her. And I thought it was very nice. It was very sweet. That was a really cute scene. And I I think he looks so hot with his little scar. I like the scar, too. I also think that Broadway British is looking up at the sky, smiling slightly and saying, I haven't been to this park in 20 years. Could not be more correct. Right? I was like, wow, Broadway British. I also like, I feel like there was a lot of symbolism with the carousel and it was laid on a little thick, but like the way that Jack and Sydney like were framed in that final image of the scene, like especially with like the carousel music becoming creepier and more carnival and carny. I was just like, oh, okay. They are the what I know about the whole series as a whole, it was very telling. Because life's a circus. Or they're on a ca- the carousel called life. But yeah, yours. Oh, <laughs> carousel called life. <laughs> Why is that so funny? Interesting. <laughs> so the meeting is taking place in Moscow in this warehouse. Now we know where Sydney has to go towards the end of the episode. So. Sydney gets um, Sydney and Dixon have to go and surveil, surveil the meeting so they can get leads on the man. So then Sydney and Vaughn meet at the Griffith Observatory, um, and he gives her this memory card for the counter mission. It's blah blah blah. Get the info. Blah blah blah. Work stuff. Wait. He get then, to the meat of it. He then goes on to clarify the elusive hockey game thing scenario from last week in the best segment, in my opinion, boyfriend of the week. Boyfriend of the week. Now I'm gonna read what he says to Sydney. Okay. Now I'm not an actor, but we're gonna try. Okay. Look. No, but um what you said about wanting to go to a hockey game, wanting me to be a part of your life. I uh, I think I wasn't clear about something. That would be nice. <laughs> Sorry, that was like Christopher Walken. <laughs> it would be nice to be in public with you. Okay, we'll stop it there. I'm just going to read the rest. <laughs> no, do it, do it, do it. Okay. I, uh, I think I wasn't clear about something. That it would be nice to be in public with you, to actually get to look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Grab a pizza or go to a hockey game. I I just I wasn't clear that I would really like that too, and Sydney loves it. Sydney yeah, loves that's that. and so that scene. Do you ever cry? Like, oh my god! And you, know, you know what else about this scene is? It's so fraught with tension because of that. Like, but it's like sweet tension, and then like the way that they look at each other after he delivers the last line, and then he just goes, um, he's like, 
good luck in Russia. And he just walks off. Mm-hmm. <gasps> I mean, honey, good luck rushing home to deal with the situation in your pants, Sydney. <laughs> Imagine if that's how you ended like every conversation with your crush. You're just like, all right, well, good luck in Russia. <laughs> I'm just like run into them at Trader Joe's and you're like, well, good luck in Russia. In Russia. <laughs> and like, what? You want to do it? That's how we're going to say hello and goodbye to each other from now on. That's our new aloha. Good luck in Russia. Good luck in Russia. Uh, well, I ruined that whole reading, but hopefully it's salvageable for poor Maureen. I think it'll be good. Okay. So that was Maureen. How did you feel watching that scene? Because that's, oh, it's just so good. It's just so sweet. It is. Also kind of- it is so good. And then we get Sydney with another wine and candlelight montage. I literally. A favorite. That. Literally wrote. Did you write that? Yeah. It said Sydney's at home doing something we always love in this house, <laughs> which is Sydney wine drinking by a fire and or reading and or pondering something, life, etc. <laughs> is choked on my tea because we do always love that in this house it's it's been i believe it's been bathtub and then bed previously at least some of the times before this Mm -hmm. each one equally like it is our own child yep that's true so while she's doing that francie comes home from seeing three movies to deal with the Mm -hmm. news about charlie and literally though what i wouldn't fucking give to go to the movies right now it is all i want I just want to go to like a bar, but like a like regular bar. I'm I don't want to go endanger people's lives. Yeah. I just want to go and drink beer with like a surly person who wishes I was dead while they serve me. Your great night is my biggest nightmare. That's crazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go to the movies and then like walk to the subway after and really talk about it. <laughs> I know that's why we didn't work out. <laughs> I love going to the movies. It's one of my favorites, but I also love watching movies in my house because then I can smoke weed the whole time. Yeah, but like that's what edibles are for. That's so true. So sit on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Let that sink in. Okay. Are we done talking about this Francie Sydney scene? Because I really want to talk about this hat. Yes. So basically like that scene is them talking about how much they love each other and all of this sweet stuff. And Maureen doesn't want to fucking talk about it anymore, but I thought it was very nice because there was a really sweet moment by the fireplace when, when Francie's crying and Sydney's like, you know, I'm on your side. Right. And, and Francie's like, thank God. And I thought mm-hmm. really, because I thought that was, it was female friendship hashtag. It was female friendship hashtag at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. And we, we stand in this house. Yeah, sorry, I just smashed my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. Okay, so you're like, I love female friendship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to be so mad at me that I did that. Oh, no. So I know, I love female mean, friendship so much, it yeah. makes me sweaty. Okay, so... <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so the next scene is like the whole now Sydney's going to spy in Moscow. And she's like, um, what do you, what do you wish she on? Like, she's not on a trampese. What do you fucking call that? Trampese? <laughs> yeah, what do you call that? Like a wire? Yeah, I guess a wire. I'm not over trampese, though. <laughs> like, um... <sighs> Fanabla. Fanabla? Gina's casting spells on me in Italian. And when I eventually die, they're going to play this podcast in a court of law. Drago known a bit about my words is funny every single time you do it. It is. Also, 
casting spells like strega freaking nona <laughs> i can't you just saying what did you say trampoline or no trampeze you said trampeze you combined trampoline and trapeze and it reminded me of on um, bob's burgers when linda goes well take a snatchy <laughs> that's you you're gonna take a snatchy i am anyway she's she's like you know secretly like swinging from a wire wire and (laughs) dixon goes how's it hanging sid she's like very funny (laughs) and she's in the best hat i've ever seen in my fucking life can this be hat of the week there's a lot of energy coming off of her (laughs) because it is the most russian hat you've ever seen in your life It's the craziest hat. And so she's like setting everything up and <laughs> she goes, like she's setting up, she goes, fiber optic camera is hot. And you know what, Maureen? So am I. You know what? So am I. <laughs> so Sydney surveyed the warehouse in Moscow wearing that hat. And it's incredible. It's big. It's puffy. It's communist. And we love it. And we love it. Um, so Sark then shows up for the meeting with K-Directed. There's like four K-Directed guys and then like Sark and his some cronies. So he refuses to tell them where the man is and that Sark is the one in charge right now relaying the info. So Sark wants to give $100 million to this secret shell account that he had no business knowing existed um, to Ivanov, who is the head of K-Directed, which Dixon tells Sydney, which is a big shock to the both of them. Um, and Sark is like, we'll give you the money if you give us the Rampaldi manuscript that you found in Argentina and all the analysis that comes with it. And he's like, the offer expires in 60 seconds. And like mm-hmm. Ivanov and his guys are like, uh, what? And like basically laughing at him and telling him to fuck off. And they get up to leave and then Sark fucking kills them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Head of K-Director, which is a really, really big deal. And then like the second in command that was sitting right next to him. Um, And that's really crazy because, like, this organization is infamously, like, this organization is infamously the most, like, unstoppable. So Sark is a lot. Mm -hmm. He's a lot. Yeah. And also, when actors have bone structure like that, you you just know. You know it's going to be bad. I just always know they're evil when the cheekbones are. Bit of of a a fascist jawline. Sure. Yeah. So, (laughs) stop your hair. It's so (laughs) I have a story for off pod that your hair reminds me of. Oh, I can't wait. Not that, not that good. Um, I can't wait. Gossip. Hello. <laughs> <Off pod>. um, <laughs> so the new leaders who are basically the two dudes he didn't kill agree to his terms um, because obviously why wouldn't they? And everything is like, like they got all the information. They're going to get the money. And then Sydney fucking slips and like a piece of the warehouse that she's standing against like falls off. And then there's fucking gunshots and she's swinging in the air like a trampeze and being being fucking shot at and the episode ends. (laughs) Like a trampeze. (laughs) I love trampeze. It's my favorite. (laughs) So like, so do I. So a bit of a setup episode, but still a lot of stuff. Yeah, definitely a lot of stuff, including um, uh, that hat. <laughs> that hat was everything. Yeah. So, Jeaner, do you have any recommendus this week? Honestly, I've been watching a lot of Ghost Hunters and Do With That What You Choose. Mm-hmm. Or Ghost Shows. 
I love my little ghost shows. <laughs> but my actual recommendation is on Hulu, Leah Remini, Scientology in the Aftermath. No notes. Yes. Okay, let's talk about this. Gina and I started watching this show together a few years ago. Four years ago. Four or five years ago. Four? Jesus. And kind of fell off. So you recently picked it back up. Yeah, I started with season two. And then I think I'm into season three now. It just gets like, they get, you can, it just gets weirder and they get more crazier information, but they, I don't think they're coming back for a new season because Leah and Mike Rinda (laughs) have a podcast about this now as they interviewed the dude from Nexium. Mark. Keith, like, oh, Mark. I thought you meant Keith Keith Raniere. Oh, Keith's in jail. Get that guy some conditioner for the. <laughs> I know. Get him some herbal essences. <laughs> no, but I love. Yeah. in the aftermath is so good because it's like Leah Remini is so good at being Leah Remini that you do. It is very serious. It's obviously a very serious subject matter, but sometimes she just can't help herself, and just like her gestures, the way that she speaks, she reminds me of home, and I love her. <laughs> mm-hmm. about- I also like something I've been thinking about as I've been watching The Vow is, and I feel like we talked about this before, but how on Scientology and the Aftermath, I like the way that they like tell stories so much better. I think it's yeah. way more engaging. Yep. And I think like when they talk to victims, Leah Remini and Mike Rinda do a much better job of taking accountability for their actions. For sure. That's such a good point. It really, it's not, yeah, because it's, it's never like Leah and Mike getting a chance to like shit on people. It's always like we are all complicit. And then it's just, that's mm-hmm. like, who is more complicit? Who is complicit because they were manipulated? Who is complicit because they were evil inherently? Mm-hmm. They're really good. And, it's, and yeah. they, they don't they don't just talk about Scientology in the later seasons. They do mm-hmm. into like a bunch of other stuff and it's really, really interesting. Yeah, because there are a lot of uh, small cults in America that the FBI doesn't either like have the grounds to like prosecute against or they don't want to. I don't know. But yeah. the reason why is because of religious exemption. Mm-hmm. I knew you would know. That's why. That's why, like, you can't, because there, there are crimes, but then there aren't ways to prove that they're not a church. Mm-hmm. They dive into, they dive in. I only know that because of one of the episodes I watched last night, but because, like, the whole, like, I think third, third season is, like, um, what is the, like, why can't they be taken down? And then, like, mm-hmm. it's to that. So it's very cool. Yeah, I really like that show, and I love Leah Remini. I think she's amazing, and I wish that she was our aunt. I think we have said that on this podcast before. Put it in the atmosphere to have lunch at her house. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Aunt Leah. I, I want Leah Remini to yell at me because I didn't take enough meatballs, you know? She would. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not too salty. I don't know what you're fucking talking about, but it was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have no recommendus this week as I've been watching mostly just like stand up. Um, Michelle Buteau, Butopia on Netflix is very, very funny. Cool. She's cool. I like her. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your podcast apps wherever you listen. Uh, It helps other people find our show and it makes us feel good that someone out there is listening to us and cares if we live or die. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at room47pod and listen to new episodes every Thursday. Thank you, Maureen. I remembered the outros. Housekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get house start. No. no. <laughs> hey, are you watching the, um, you're not watching Amsterdam Drag Race, are you? 
No, honey, I haven't even finished <laughs> immediately dropping the honey because we're talking about no, honey. no cunt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, I'm going to stop recording now. But before okay. I do, good luck in Russia. Good luck in Russia. Good luck in Russia. J.J. Abrams, the American Broadcasting Company, Walt Disney Company, Amazon, or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment purposes only. Alias and any clips, images, or names are registered trademarks and are copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. Room 47 is an Alien Baby production. Crazy.